Now, as we just read through Psalm 150, you might have noticed it's pretty hard to miss that this is a psalm all about praise. I didn't count how many times the word praise is in this psalm, um, but it's there in every verse. But you see, I think as Australians, we're not very good when it comes to praise. They say that we're four times more likely to leave a bad review than a good one. Now, if we have a bad experience with something, we'll talk about it. We're quick to criticise, but we're less quick and less likely to praise someone, less likely to encourage someone, so it's said. When it comes to being critical, as Australians are really good, not so good at praising. You know, in our culture, tall poppy syndromes are things, so when someone does something good and they're really successful, we want to be quick to cut them down. We don't want them getting an inflated ego. Rather than lift them up, we want to bring them crashing down. We have a culture where paying out our friends is uh, supposedly a sign of affection. Praising them is something that comes far less naturally to us as Australians. We don't do praise well. But to that culture, I want to speak to us this morning a word about praise. In fact, into that culture, God wants to speak a word to us about praise. And I don't know if you've noticed here that God is actually not ashamed to speak about praise, even and especially his own praise. God wants us to praise him. It's hard, impossible, in fact, to escape how God, praise of God is front and centre in this psalm. But to get into Psalm 150, I want to ask initially four questions. They're not groundbreaking. They're, they're pretty well-known questions. In fact, they're so well-known because they're so good. And that is the questions, where, why, how, who, right? You will all be familiar with these questions. So four questions for us to start off with. First question, where? Where is God to be praised? You see the answer there. Have a look at verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. So where is God to be praised? Well, first of all, he's to be praised in his sanctuary, in the mighty heavens. Now, a sanctuary is a place of safety. God's sanctuary is actually a place in the temple that was modelled upon heaven itself. It was the place in the temple, where you actually would find God's fierce judgment upon sin. If you walked into the temple in Israel, what you would find is death and blood sacrifices. And so it doesn't kind of think of a place that would immediately come to mind when you think about a sanctuary, a place of safety. But the temple was a place of safety, because not only was it a place where God's judgment of sin came, but it was a place where the Israelites could come and they could actually find loving mercy and forgiveness for their sin because of the death and sacrifices. You see, the sanctuary is a place of safety, and the temple was a place of that safety. It's a place where we could come and where we could, the Israelites could have their sins pardoned. And so that's the place where we're told to come and praise God, praise him in the sanctuary, praise him in the mighty heavens. But second question, why is it that we're to praise? Have a look at verse 2. Why do we praise the Lord? Well, it says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So why are we to praise the Lord? 
well for his mighty deeds. So you think about God's mighty deeds. We did this a little bit last week. We looked at Psalm 19 and thought about God's general revelation that you could see God's majesty in the creation. If you just look at the world, you can see God's mighty deeds, his acts of creating us. You can see his mighty acts of sustaining us as the world keeps going on because of him. We see God's mighty deeds as he sends the rain and the sun and he sends food and, and pleasure. That's kind of the general God's mighty acts in creation in the sustaining of the world. But also we, we thought last week about God's special revelation, how God has actually revealed himself and he's acted in specific ways. In particular, he's acted in saving his people. And so for the Jews, they especially could look to God's mighty deeds seen in these rescuing them out of slavery in Egypt. How he led them through the wilderness with Moses and he led them into the promised land under Joshua and they established a kingdom for his people under David. You see, if it wasn't for God's mighty acts in saving his people, the Israelites would have perished. There's a lot of ancient people who are around who aren't around anymore. I don't know if you've ever met a Girgashite or an Ammonite or all sorts of people, but Jews, Jews are still around because God has protected them. He's acted to save his people. So we see God and we're to praise him for his mighty deeds, his mighty power, his sovereign control and his excellent greatness. Our third question is how are we to praise God? Look at there, verse Three to five, how are we to praise God? It says, praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and with pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. So how is it that we're to praise God? Well, we're supposed to lift our hands up, right? No, that's not what it says. But it also doesn't say we to praise him by having our hands in our pockets. How are we to praise God? Well, what it says here is that we are to praise God with all the musical gusto that we can muster, with jubilant joy that can only be expressed through music and with band and with singing and with dancing is even mentioned there. I used to go to church, a university church, with some African um, people and they I don't know if you know many Africans but very exuberant very expressive it was impossible for them to try and go to church and to just stand still and that's not our, our culture where we like to move around a lot but God what we see here is there's an exuberance to the way that we are to uninhibitedly express the joy and praise of God in, in joyful making of noise, loud noise. So even clashing cymbals, see, drums are okay. The Bible actually says, go nuts with the cymbals. Tambourines, dancing. Why praise God with music? Well, I don't know if you know this, but music is actually Emotional. There's something about music that captures our emotions that moves us. See, some truths are just so great that mere words don't do them justice. See, when you're in love with someone, right, you don't just say it in words. You sing about it. You write poetry. 
Something distinct about Christians is that we sing. We're a people who sing. If you're not familiar with the church and you've come in and you might think, what's with all the singing? Why do Christians sing? And singing is not something that we do a lot in our culture, and so people can find that a bit weird. But while I say we don't do it a lot, we do still do it. There are places where, where we do see people singing. You know, if you watch some sport, we'll get together for the anthem and we'll sing together as a team and kind of brings us together. Or, or more particularly, I think a better example of this is you see it in the footy, right? Team songs. After the win, the team gets together and they sing with passion and excitement and then they celebrate with emotion the fact that they've won. There's a kind of corporate celebration that you see in the culture of sitting, singing footy songs. Well, this psalm tells us that we should praise God and we should praise him with musical gusto because of his mighty deeds and because of his excellent greatness. Fourth question, who should praise God? Well, the answer there is verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who should praise God? Everything that breathes. The whole of humanity, anyone who's still breathing, is still alive, is able to sing. And it's not even limited to humanity. Everything that has, every creature that has breath should praise the Lord. We're going to sing a bit later a song, our last song. It says, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Praise of God is not just limited to us as humanity, but, but all of God's creation. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And you might think, well, wow, that was really quick, Ryan. We've done our four questions. Uh, that's pretty much the psalm. Well, almost, but not quite. Because I think there's, a, while I ask some good questions, I think there's some misconceptions that we have when it comes to this. And the first one is, and I could have started here, but I didn't. I put them together in this misconception. So, so what? What is praise? That might seem like a silly question because it's so obvious. We all know what praise is. Well, that's why I want to address it here because it's the kind of thing that's so obvious that often we actually get it wrong because we don't ask the right questions, the simple questions. We don't think about it. See, praise actually has three main common meanings today, that we, the way we use it. So the first one is to express approval or admiration of or to commend someone. So, you know, where I say nice things about you or to you. That's praise. Another meaning of the way that we use praise is to offer grateful homage to God. So it's kind of a, a religious or spiritual thing that we do where we call it praise. It's a Godward activity. That's the kind of second way that praise can be used. And the third way that praise is often used is we use it as a synonym to sing. People often say, we're going to have a time of praise by which they mean we're going to sing. But what does the Bible mean when it comes to talk about praise? Which one of those meanings does the Bible mean? So it's actually the first one. In the Bible, the, the essence of the word to praise actually just means to speak positively.
positively about someone, either to them or about them, to kind of express approval or admiration, to commend them. So it's not limited to God. It's still praise when I praise someone who's not God. Secondly, praise is not limited to music. Praise is not fundamentally about music. It's not limited to speaking to God. It's just as much praise when I speak to you about God, not just when I'm singing to God. So, so for, for example, if I was to say that Alyssa Waitman is a great singer and a wonderful person, that would be praise. There's nothing in that comment about God. There's nothing even religious about what I said, and there's nothing musical in the way that I said it. It wouldn't suddenly become praise if I sang it, if I broke out into, like, musicals where they just want to sing things. No, the... Praise is just the fact that I said positive things about her. And in Psalm 150, that's what we're encouraged to do with God. We are to praise him. Yes, we are to praise him, encouraged to speak well of God, to commend him, to do it with the backdrop of a whole orchestra playing in, with joy and at full volume. So it can include worship, like as it can include singing and conclude music, but that's not purely what praise is. And the second, I want to call it a misconception. So first one, we can get confused about what is praise. But second one is about whom? Who should we praise? And you think, well, again, that seems like a pretty stupid question, Ryan. Um, it's obvious who we're to praise. It says it right there that we're to praise God. God is the one to whom we are to praise. But I think part of why this can be a false assumption or a misconception so look, Psalm, first one, have a look with it. It says, praise the Lord, praise God, and it finishes the psalm says with praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This is a no-brainer, Ryan. How can you make a point about this? Well, I don't know if you notice there, verse 1 and verse 6, where it says praise the Lord. That word Lord is in capital letters, capital L-O-R-D. This is actually the personal name for God. It's the word where we get the word Yahweh. Um, which is the name, we don't really know how to say it because out of reverence they wouldn't use God's personal name, but it's the personal name that God gave his people to say who he was. And so we're not just, when we praise the Lord, we praise God, we're not just praising any God, we're praising a specific God. It's, when we, it's where we get the word hallelujah from. Hallel is the Hebrew word, means praise. Hallel, hallelujah, the you part is praise you and Yah is short for Yahweh. Hallelujah means praise you, Yahweh. So it's not just kind of general praise God, you know, um, that we can often use when we're talking about praying to God. It's we're praising a specific God, the God Yahweh, the God, the God who rescued Israel out of, out of Egypt. Well, what's the significance of that? We see, when I praised Alyssa, I didn't praise womankind in general. I praised a specific person. I praised Alyssa because she's a great singer and because of her character. So when we praise God, we're not praising some general or vague idea or notion of God. We're not praising 
Allah. We're not praising some vague spiritual force out there. We're not praising kind of my own God, whoever I kind of think of God as. No, we are to praise the true and living God, the God who created the universe, the God who sustains the universe. That's the God that we are to praise. And so with those two clarifications, I want to go back and look at our original questions again. So who's to be praised? Well, Yahweh is to be praised. He's to be spoken of well in his earthly sanctuary and in heaven because of his mighty deeds, because of his excellent greatness. Yahweh is to be praised with all musical instruments by everything that has breath. But the psalm here is in the Old Testament, and it's about Yahweh, the God of Israel. But what's the Christian way to praise God? How do we as Christians think about and obey this psalm? I've got two more. Go back to our two questions. I want to think about the why and the whom. So why do we praise Yahweh? Well, in verse 2 it says, We praise Yahweh, the Lord, because of his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. Now, at the time when this psalm was written, the only real mighty deeds that, that the psalmist knew about was God through his creation and, and God through his acts of rescuing his people. But we actually live this side of the Lord Jesus, where those mighty acts and deeds pale in significance with the greatness that what God's done for us. God's mightiest deed where he kind of... We see it in the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of the Lord Jesus, where God himself entered into our creation. He became one of us. He came and he died in our place on the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled to this God. So we have far more reasons to worship God as Christians. So we see God in his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness, specifically not only just through the creation, not only in his acts in in delivering his chosen people, but in his saving all Christians in his death on the cross. And as we saw in our second Bible reading, uh, in the New Testament book of Revelation chapter 5, what you see is you see in chapter 5 of Revelation, you see God is on the throne He's in heaven and he's got all his plans for the universe written on a scroll and the plans are waiting to be put into full effect. And the angel asks, first to Revelation 5, he says, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. No one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. But then you get verse 6, Revelation 5. I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. He took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, and when he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and they sung a new song, saying, Worthy are you, that is the lamb, to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them a kingdom of priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. The whole of heaven and earth break out into 
a full voice praise of God for his mightiest deed. That's what you see in Revelation 5. You've got this one, the, the lamb who was slain, who's ranched the people from every nation and tribe and tongue, and, and they sing a new song worshipping this one. Revelation 5.11, I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of, science, of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, might and honour and glory and, mess, and, and um, blessing. Notice in Revelation 5 the shift in the one who's being worshipped. Notice the shift in the one who they're praising. Now, from now on in heaven, it's not just about praising the one on the throne, but also the Lamb. And so as Christians, yes, we want to praise God the Father, but particularly we we have a reason, and we want to praise our Lord Jesus, the one who was slain for us. It's only through this mightiest deed in Jesus that all the world, every tribe and tongue and nation can now finally sing praise to him. Just a couple of things to apply this to us. Notice this praise that happens in in, uh, Psalm 50. There's content to praise. Praise is not just about I'm praising God because of how I'm feeling. Not that there's anything wrong with feeling a specific way, but they're praising God for his mighty deeds. They're praising God because of what he has done. And the praise of God is about God. So much for what passes as praise in when we use the word praise is often... It, 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 it's about us. It actually goes against the heart of what praise should be about, which is about praising God and it shifts the focus of God it's about me and my feelings and how I'm doing and we don't want to think about praise like that we want to praise God not just for the way we feel or my response to God but praise God for his words for his mighty deeds for what he's done the second thing I want to share in terms of application notice the direction of our praise yes it's it's good that we praise God to himself but praise can also have another element to it where we can praise someone to other people. It's good that we praise God to himself, but we can also, and, and maybe we need to think more how we, we can do this, is, is about how we go about praising God to others, about speaking the good, mighty deeds, what God's done for us in Christ, and praising him in front of other people. I don't know if you've thought about how, how do you go at praising God and sharing him, sharing when you have something you want to share, you've got good news, you want to share that, right? And so we have great news in the Lord Jesus. And so why not share and praise God as we, as we share of what he's done as we're sharing with others? But last thing I kind of want to say in thinking about praise is Having said that we want to praise God with content because of what he's done, there is a space for emotion in praising people. I said as Australians we don't really do praise all that well. I think especially as guys we we think it can be unmanly to actually express feelings when we praise people or praise God. 
think there's something deficient in praise if it's just about content, if there's no feeling. If it's just, I can speak about what God's done, but in such a way that it doesn't move me. I feel like we're, we're not praising God in all the fullness of what we could do. It's actually right that we feel a sense of awe and majesty and thankfulness and love of God. Having said before, you know, it's perfectly fine to express praise by lifting your hands up. And we don't do that much, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great thing to do. If you feel like doing that, go for it. If you can sing about the great truths of the gospel and not feel anything and, and just sit there and it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, have we really grasped the gospel if that's where our hearts are? If we're really going to understand what God's done for us, that's going to move us. And so maybe it's worth thinking through, where's that, where are our hearts at? How, are we actually re- reflecting on what God's done for us and are we letting those truths move our hearts? If you want to think about what God's done for us and if that moves you to crying, that's, that's great. You know. Psalm 150, it calls upon us to praise Yahweh. And so I, I hope and pray for us that each one of us would actually know this God, know what he's done for us and that we would be able to praise him genuinely because we know of his son's death for us. So let's, let me pray and give thanks for what he's done and then we're going to sing and um, we can ex- express praise to God. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for your mighty deeds. Thank you for your excellent greatness. Thank you that not only have you made us, but you have shown mercy to us and you have saved us by the death of your son. And so we want to gather together as your people and we want to, with all the musical gusto that we can manage, we want to sing praise to you. And we... Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.